Welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. This podcast started with me just kind of interviewing my friends, and now we're at a point where I'm interviewing people who inspire me. Every week you are going to hear how someone else identifies with the feeling of not fitting in and success. So let's just hop into the episode and thank you for all of your continued support. Hey listeners, here's an update from me. I am in the middle of an Oconus move to Hawaii, as you all know, so I am dark on interviews, but of course, if you're interested, hit me up, www.pleasedon'tkickmeout.com, and we can set something up when I am settled in Hawaii. But that doesn't mean I don't want your pitches. Please hit me up, that's great. Um, But just full disclosure, I am dark on interviewing. Um, for anyone incoming. I am only doing outgoing interviews for other podcasts right now, but I would love to collaborate. Thank you. Hey, how's it going? Uh, It's going absolutely effing fabulous. How's it going for you? Uh, It is such a good day because tomorrow Disneyland is opening and I'm going to be there. I'm so, I'm so excited for you. That's such a great thing. I have never been to Disneyland. I hope oh, to go soon. Okay, you have to. I'm, obviously, you have to go with me. But to my listeners, of course, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out. And the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end is my good Judy, Nicole Hollowell. Nicole, would you like to give your 1,000-foot overview, elevator pitch, who you are, what you do, et cetera? Sure. I am South Florida's premier uh, drag entertainer, producer, and MC. Uh, and I work in the field of drag, but I also like to play along in different categories like burlesque and theater shows and all kinds of other stuff because I like to be a little bit of everything mm-hmm. here and there. So I try to spread myself as thin as possible <laughs> while not getting actually any thinner. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, you are my gym fan- fantasy. You are my neon dream. But how did we meet? <laughs> uh, well, you were you were stalking me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I hit- I created this uh, this odd idea that I had for a drag queen game show, and I threw it out there into the universe. And a good friend of mine, Chris Caputo, picked it up and said, "Hey, why don't we make this a a real streaming show?" Because I was doing it on Facebook, and I jumped it over there, and you discovered me through that, and then voila, here we are. Yes, yes, and I and you know what? The highest compliment that's ever happened. We don't have to discuss the game show in detail, but basically the premise is are you funnier than a drag queen and you know you guys find the funniest photos on the internet I've I've talked about it on my podcast quite a few times and it's it was just it was so much fun it was a delight and I there's my friend Matt and I became really good friends out of it and so it's like you kind of brought people together um in this kind of crazy pandemic bravado pandolce whatever you want to call it and um (laughs) without it I, I wouldn't have known you so I got served an ad for it and then my friend Susie who I play Charlie Hyde's bingo with Rip Bingo. That's uh, the, when this releases that it, it, bingo shall be no more. Um, but uh, yeah, so I I'm used to doing this kind of virtual thing because my husband's deployed at the time of recording this, and when this releases, he'll be home. Yay! Yay. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, it's it's it was nice to have something virtual as in community wise to do, and then um, I met Trish, who is a huge fan of yours and um, just such a lovely human and. Matt through it and it's great and it's never going to be lost on me that Ginger <laughs> Ginger Mitch said I was funny uh, I was very <laughs> very thrilled about that but also um I was also telling people that because you you like to to roast and read and uh, you know I'm, I'm here for it and that's kind of my kink so all right <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually the greatest part about that uh about doing drag I think in general is that uh, I get paid to be an asshole to people, <laughs> and I, know, I, love I love that it. so much. It's like it's like my dream job. Like you know, I've yeah. always been sassy and snotty my entire life, but I found a way to channel it into people actually enjoying yeah. it. Now, if I said it out of drag, people would punch me in the face if I just said it as a normal person. But for some reason, the lashes and the wigs and the, the pads <laughs> and the stuff gives me the free pass to be a complete piece of crap to people, <laughs> and they're just like, "Yay, more, please." If I did drag, it would be like, I would dress like you. I would dress like Lisa Frank fantasy. And actually yesterday, so I, I got served an ad. I get served ads and I just buy things. I'm so, I'm such a dumb bitch. As long as you're not getting served papers. No, <laughs> no. I, I Well, yeah. So I, um, I got served a Morpheus has a Lisa Frank line right now for makeup. I don't know how to do my makeup. Nicole, I have no idea how to do my makeup. But I bought this palette because I am a stupid, stupid idiot, 90s bitch. Like my merch is 90s, all of that. I want to do a merch trade with you. Just let me know what you want. <laughs> um, and oh my goodness, I bought it and it came and I was like, oh yeah, I still don't know how to do my makeup. 
but it's gorgeous. I used to do, it's a gorgeous palette. I used to do online virtual classes for makeup, but during the pandemic, I was doing that for people and teaching them how to do their face and so forth. Maybe I'll bring those back and you can take You one should bring and- it back because you know who would, who would, the three of us, Matt, Trish, and I, we would all take it. <laughs> and it was kind of a split class. Half of it was teaching how to do drag makeup and the other half was doing things that would apply both to drag and to also everyday makeup for people who like to wear it, not yeah. for drag. Yeah. I, I my, you know, I actually, for, for makeup, for me, I do, like, I fill my, my, I blonde hair. So like, bra- well, it's fake blondish mostly. My hair is like a mousy brown normally. And I, I don't like her. So I get it done. I get it dyed. I have an amazing stylist who's been a guest on my podcast from your listeners, episode 13. Uh, but, uh, so I get, you know, I, I do, I do bare minimum. I'm, I'm super fan of, of highlighter. Um, I'll, I'll do, a, I'll do a lash, like just, just mascara. And I will do just like a little bit of concealer. Cause my skin is garbage. I need to get a fucking dermatologist. I don't know. It's been a year. I don't, but anyway, I'm really my- grateful that I've met you. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful that I met you too. And remind me offline on this conversation, I have something great that I can suggest for you for your skin because I had very similar yes, skin issues yes. and I will change your life. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. Because I'm all about, now I'm in my thirties. I'm like skincare routine. Like I will buy anything if it means it'll fix everything. <laughs> right. It's, what happened to just bar soap and then going to bed without washing your face. Now it's like, Hey, you need to make sure that you do this. So you don't look a hundred years old by tomorrow. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I found disgusting. actually, I found actually something that actually does kind of work pretty well, but nothing works a hundred percent. I'm like, what? I had something that works 100%, and I'll, Ooh, I'll tell you about okay. it offline. Uh, okay, well, and I'm not sharing it with any of my listeners. To my listeners, don't hate me. I will, I will not. I will not allow it. Anyway. I, just, I just don't want to fill out the whole conversation of this with skincare routine. So. <laughs> uh, okay, so you, um, you as a drag performer, I'm sure have felt um, imposter syndrome from from time to time. Um, and so I'm excited to have you on this podcast because I I love entertain I love I love interviewing entertainers because I feel like sometimes like you have to get out of your own way to be able to perform. So how long have you been doing drag? Drag for me uh, this year will be 16 years. Wow. I know it's crazy. I mean, I've always done some form of drag or another. I remember as a kid stealing my mom's like clip and hair pieces and and, like (laughs) makeup and shoes and putting together a costume. You know what got me started with this whole thing was Mrs. Doubtfire and and that kind of thing where people were, she could change her appearance. Yeah. So like, I I remember in in the early nineties, I was always wanted to be uh, a pop star like because I was yeah. like oh my god I love this like I was pretending to be Madonna in my bedroom with the whole Vogue thing and then the Spice Girls came along and I'm like I gotta do that and then, you know so like uh, this has always been a part of me is dressing yeah. up and playing playing characters and it wasn't even so much drag as it was is me creating personalities mm. and looks to go along with it and then putting that out into the universe and my parents always yeah. thought I was nuts <laughs> so <laughs> uh, and then I saw Dragon I'm like you could dress up like somebody else and be that person and nobody yeah. would know who you are. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's what I started doing. So I, I love that. And there is a drag queen out in San Diego. Um, that I think I've sent you some videos or talked to you about her, um, Miriam T and Miriam yeah. T has a full Mrs. Doubtfire bit. She's done. I, I have, I have and one as well. Incredible. I actually haven't done it in many years. No. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Uh, that's too funny. You should reach out to her. She's lovely. I'm sure that there, this is more common than I would think, but I, I, I have a feeling not, that not really is similar. Character queens are hard to come by. Uh, a lot of drag, and I'm sure we'll get into that later in this yeah. discussion, but, yeah. but a lot of drag queens were born of the RuPaul's Drag Race fame. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they did not come with the, uh, they didn't come with the, the theater background yeah. or the the need to do all this other stuff. They just want to be beautiful and then have people cheer for them and throw money at them. But there are a lot of kids who wanted to do theater and acting and so forth, and they couldn't get into it like me. And uh, they found that drag was the outlet to be able to take all their ideas and put them out into the universe without having to have someone's approval. Yeah. You know, okay. Like yeah. That makes sense. That was, um, that question, was very big for me. Yeah. Question for you. Uh, you said you, you couldn't do theater or weren't getting the parts. Um, Cause same, same with me. I was always in the chorus line or like, I'd always be like stage, stage behind stage or like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to be, I, I was very performative, very, um, very out there. Um, I, but you know, I'm a copywriter by trade, as you can tell based on my <laughs> captions. Um, I'm witty. I'm, I'm funny. Um, and so I, <laughs> that doesn't work playing a role. It just doesn't work. And so I love that. Um, I do, I do believe that um, drag race, it's done, a, it's done amazing things for drag and getting people interested in it, normalizing it, making it feel like, you know, because it is an art form. It truly, truly is. 
But at the same time, um, being part of this very um, inclusive community in San Diego and being a strong ally and moving to San Diego, I became more enamored with local queens in the last year because I, I, I guess like sometimes people forget like that, you know, yeah, like there are just regular queens that, you know, they do this like once a week or, you know, they just want to perform, you know, every once a month or whatever. And I think people sometimes can lose sight of the fact that there are local performers who are truly love what they do. I mean, you do this basically full-time, don't you? I do, yeah. Actually, pre-pandemic, I was doing 35 to 38 shows a month. And I mean, literally every day. I, I was dead already. I was literally, it was weekend at Bernie's all the time. And just, you know, put me up on ropes and throw me out there. But, um, you know, bringing up Drag Race, while it has helped to bring drag to the mainstream and really has helped to normalize things, as you were saying, it's also uh, inherently hurt the drag community yes. tremendously. Yes. And it's been something that people don't want to talk about uh, yeah. because... There's, and I'm sure, I'm sure we'll bring this up further on into the conversation, but uh, there's a lot of things that have really kind of dampened the, the environment for us. And it's mm -hmm. also hurt the pace fail that we used to make because back before Drag Race started and even in the beginning stages of Drag Race, when it was only on Logo, it wasn't such a mainstream character and we were able to make the money we deserved and, and work for other places and, and yada, yada, yada. But when Drag Race was introduced into the, you know, the, the zeitgeist of drag, uh, we all of a sudden had all these brand new baby queens that were popping up everywhere and mall clothes and flat wigs and, and walking out into the, into the club saying, I'm a superstar. And there's something that we, have, we call, there's different names for it, but I call it baby drag syndrome, where when somebody, <laughs> when somebody does drag for the first time and they put on the, the look and so forth, you can't tell them nothing. They could look like they just rolled out of a trash heap. And in their own head, they are the most fabulous, phenomenal entertainer with the most confidence in the whole world. And because they don't want to look like or feel like that they don't know what they're doing, mm -hmm. they have this kind of a very boastful moment where they walk out there and they're like, no, I know what I'm doing. I've done this forever, yada, yada, yada. And you can look at them and not really know. So those queens used to walk into those bars and clubs and say, well, whatever this queen's doing it for, I'll do it for half. So they would start hiring these new girls who don't uh -huh. have the, the stage presence, yeah. entertainment, and they would drop the median pay grade for drag queens down considerably. And that really hurt us for a long time until some bars realized, hey, you know what? You're not as great as the entertainers that I had. And others were like, you know what? The people are still coming in to watch the show. You're cheaper and it's costing me less money. We'll just keep you. So, you know, it's really split up the community and, yeah. and, and divided us yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And and you are in a um, in an area in South Florida where there's quite a lot of drag, um, drag opportunities and, um, you know, inclusive spaces to perform at, correct? It is, it, it could, it could kill a small farm animal. Like literally there's so much going on. Like it, it, there's, there's a drag brunch every three steps. Like you could literally bump into them if they were in a room. And it's, it is so bad that it, we, we can't keep up anymore. And the, the industry is so saturated out here with all these drag events because Florida is such a, um, a mix of people and, and cultures and ethnicities and, and understanding versus other states where they're more, you know, uh, more conservative and they don't have the same type of understanding of, of that there's different types of things to see and do. So yeah. while there's a lot going on out here, the, the, the options in the community for drag now are, are difficult to get booked because there's so many people everywhere, which is why I am, I have my own kind of field that I work in, which I am mm -hmm. in a different kind of space because I don't wait for work. I create it. I go out and I make my own shows and do my own things because other girls just sit there and go, well, no one's booking me. And I go, well, <laughs> Well, you have a hustle drive. See, that's the thing. You have to be an advocate for yourself. I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm like, when I started this podcast, I was like, oh, like I first I asked my friends. And then once I felt like it was at a good place to have legs, and then I was like, okay, well now I'm going to start interviewing who I want, blah, blah, blah. And just kind of kept going. And yeah. I, I even like when I was working, my, my background's in marketing, even when I was working, like Me I, too. oh yeah, well, you know what? It makes sense because you are very good. Your brand is on point. I can always tell a marketer because branding is so important. Like that is the key to everything. Um, and, and so that's helped yeah. me tremendously. Exactly. I have, I have about the same amount of time I've been doing drag. I have about maybe 17 years, maybe 18 years in marketing yeah. uh, where I've done everything from uh, corporate graphic design to TV ads to you name it. I've, I've put it together and that's been my job. So I still cool. do it as well. Yeah. So, so for that, me, it's like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm able to create my own 
versus having to wait for someone else right, to market me. Right, right. And that's like, I mean, well, it's been, I've been, it's been a bit since I've done digital marketing. Now that's been almost two years. So my friend, my friend made my merch and she made my um, website for me because she loves me and took pity on my 84 year old ass. Cause I was like, I forgot how to HTML. She was like, no, I'm, I got you. But, uh, but I also um, do understand how social media works after working in digital marketing for as long as I have. And so for, for me, like when I have other podcasters reach out to me, they're like, oh, like, you're just, you're just, you, you're so good at things and stuff. I had one podcaster um, recently tell, like, try to kind of mar- my, micromanage my marketing. And I was like, don't even first and foremost, <laughs> no. Mm-mm. you don't know you what you're do talking you. about you don't know you what you're do talking you. about I know what I'll I'm do doing me. I know what I'm doing yeah. yes yeah. <laughs> but anyway and, and I listen to yeah. input you know it's, it's always like when you want the feedback and you ask for it that's different than people just coming up to you and micromanaging right? you and that's one of the things 100%. you know if I didn't know what I was doing I wouldn't be where I am right now period exactly so. <laughs> exactly and like it's the trust in yourself but also like you, you're tenured you've been doing it for a while so yeah um, and you kind of like once like and I guess like I get the same way podcasting now because I've been doing it for a year so I'm like I know what I'm doing like don't tell sh- sh- yeah like I got it so let's hop into the first question which is do you feel like you have it all figured out Oh no, never. Uh, and, and, and anyone who says that they do have it figured out, that's the end of their career. Because if you, if you feel like you figured out everything, then that means you've hit a wall and you've, la- you've lost your creativity. There's, there's nobody that should ever feel like they've figured it all out. For me, I feel like I'm always learning. There's always something new. You know, you can take the best business in the world that's been around for a hundred years and they've always had to find some way to adapt, some way to evolve in the current culture and, and the times that we have. Because, I mean, think about, how businesses uh, work now because TikTok or Instagram exists versus mm-hmm. 10 years ago when it didn't. So I, I can never say that I've all, all figured out. I do say that I have a very good understanding of it. I do say that I adapt well and that I have the ability to, uh, to see things in a different light that most people don't see them in because I, I have that kind of knack for things. But I still, I'm learning every day. There's always something else to come out with. There's always something else to do. There's always some other way to approach things. I even have those moments where I'll look back and I'll go, damn, I could have done it this way. And I didn't do that. Why the hell didn't I do it this way? But that's that's all part of the process. It's, you know, that's life. So yeah. I, I would say, yeah, I don't have it figured out. And I, no, I, exactly. I, I, am in, I'm in a good place. Yeah. I've got it. If I was going to give myself a, a score, I would say I'm 75% figured out. But that last 25%, I'll never reach because there's always yeah. room for something new. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way you do. Cause it's like, I feel like I've got like it figured out. I would say probably 75%. Like I understand life. Like some, everyone told me like, you're going to get your thirties and you're going to like understand things way more. And I hate to say it, but they were actually pretty accurate. Oh, it's I, so true. It, you, it's so I, true. You, you become so much more forgiving of yourself. You start advocating for your mental health, like relationships and friendships change and stuff. So like from the perspective of like, I don't know what I'm going to end up doing like forever or what's going to happen with me. I mean, I, I don't even know. Like I, I have no idea, but I also well, everybody feel like feels I'm, I'm going way, in the, though. but I feel like I'm going in the right direction. That's where, that's where I'm at right now. It's like, I feel like I'm yeah. heading in the right direction. Like the things I'm wanting are manifesting. Um, you know, I have goals. Like eventually I want to work for the LGBT center of San Diego when we come back mm-hmm. after being in Hawaii. Um, that's actually a huge goal of mine. I want to help as much as I can for, you know, my, my family. Uh, and also, uh, you know, I, I, I want to use my voice for good and at, at all times, um, just because I, there's so much I believe in and so much heart and soul I have, I, you know, the biggest compliment I've ever, ever been given was from my friend, Sean Reynolds. And he said, you're a gay man in a woman's body. And I said, yes, yes, I absolutely <laughs> am. I identify as that cisgendered, no, no ma'am. I feel like I am a gay man in a, you know, straight, straight body. But um, yeah, I, I totally can understand that. And so that kind of lends into imposter syndrome, because I think like we always sort of are like looking around like, I've got it figured out. But the thing is, is that no one does. If someone came on my podcast and was like, I've got it all figured out, I'd be like, I think you're in the wrong Zoom. And that's where you get, when people get comfortable in that place, that's what you feel. Because yeah. you start to settle and you go, ah, okay. Yeah. And that's, I've had that moment where I'm like, I guess this is it now. I've got it all done. And I'm just going to sit here and let the cash roll in. And then the next day, you know, zero balance. I'm like, uh. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally, I totally get it. And like, you know, you and I are people who are like hustle driven and, you know, I, 
if you tell me no, I will prove you wrong. Like that's kind of my thing. It's like, oh, okay. You said no. Let me prove it wrong. And that that goes right back to the first thing we talked about was, you know, I wanted to be in theater. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to do things. And I never had the, either the courage to go and do it because I was was afraid to be rejected. But at the same time, it was, people said, you can't do that. I said, do you want to fucking bet? (laughs) 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 You want to bet I can't do that? I'll sure as shit do that right here and now. And I did. And that's, that's my my source of energy is that yeah. I take pride in saying I will find a way. And that's yeah. one of the things that I discovered early on when I was, I think 18 or 19, I, I had moved away from home really young to be with my first boyfriend that I was with. And uh, I said, I, I, my parents grew up not in, in big time careers. My mom was a manager of a restaurant. My father was in entertainment. He was a, uh, he was very successful, but he was limited to what he could do. And so was she, because they only had studied in certain areas. So, mm-hmm. you know, she, she owned a nail salon and she was proficient in it and excellent in that. And then she moved over to managing restaurants and she was in that field, but she didn't feel comfortable to go to different places. Mm. And my father was the same way. My father tried to branch out to other businesses, but he felt the most comfortable in entertainment. So I thought, what do I do to make sure that I don't feel trapped as an adult where I, mm-hmm. I can't move on to other things? So I just said, I'm going to be the jack of all trades and I'm going to learn how to do everything. I want to yeah. be able to put myself in any field and any business, any, anywhere. And I can say, I can do this. And you know, like most people, uh, if you see a lot of people that have been successful, but they're kind of rough around the edges, they're typically the fake until you make it crowd. And that's mm-hmm. been me as well. It's like, you know what, give me something and I will sit here and figure it out and make it happen. So I've done everything. I've worked yeah. in management. I've worked in, in fashion. I've worked yeah. in music. I've worked in uh, anything just so I could say, Hey, I have the experience in this yeah. and all the things that I've done my whole life have brought me back into Mm-hmm. Uh, f- finding avenues to travel in drag and make it work in those avenues because where some queens are limited to just standing there and being pretty on stage or you know being funny on a microphone I can throw myself into anything yeah. I've yeah. done burlesque I've done fetish I've, you know whatever whatever I can be in to say that I can expand to that place yeah I, I absolutely love that I can see a lot of myself in you because I'm the same way like I figure it out I'm like I I've done so many weird things in my career from production okay. assistance to promotional marketing, like where I used to give out samples of Coca-Cola in the South and I'd have to make people wiggle around on a hula hoop to get it. Like I've done some <laughs> weird shit, my friend. And, and, and at the end of the day, like that's what made me really successful in marketing because I, that no was not in my repertoire. I've worked on it in therapy. Shout out to Justina, my therapist. Thank you. But uh, no was not in my repertoire, but also like, if you give me a task and I don't know how to do it, I'm going to figure it out. Or I at least know 10 people that I could call that could solve it for you. And That's, you just mentioned something that, that brings up a great point. One of the things that's helped me out in my career for drag is that I can understand my demographic thanks to marketing. I can yeah. do research and really pull in exactly the characteristics of the community mm-hmm. that I'm serving mm-hmm. and be able to use that to market myself to that place. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a good thing. I mean, would you ever leave South Florida? Uh, I have a couple of times. I've been to Vegas and California and other places and I, I just something keeps pulling me back mm-hmm. here. And it's mm-hmm. it's just, I love living here. The South Florida has been so good to me in so many ways. I'm so comfortable here. And I'm not a person who's opposed to change. I like to pick up and, and move, you know, that's in my life. But for some reason, I, I feel like I have mastered it here. I don't yeah. feel like I'm stuck here. Yeah. I feel like I'm not, you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I like that answer. And I, I also appreciate it when people have pride for where they're from and like what they do, you know? Yeah. I, and, and kind of like, you know, want to like stay where it feels good because if, if Hillcrest is similar where it's always evolving and changing, like, it's not like yeah. it's just one, it's, not, it's like it's the one bar that has the one drag show or whatever. It's like, it's like, there's yeah. all these opportunities thanks to the pandemic um, now yeah. that are, that weren't around or available uh, separately. And so similar to you, it's like, yeah, I, there's places I could live. I mean, I'm originally from Denver. Well, I was born in Minnesota, then moved to Denver after college or Lived in, I've lived in Colorado since I was 10 and then I met my husband and then I moved to San Diego and San Diego will be home for me forever. I'll always have my heart in Colorado, but Denver felt like it was home and then I felt like I outgrew it. Um, and right. then now I feel like San Diego, um, there's just so much more opportunity out here for me and my husband and the jobs for him when he gets out of the military and everything. So so I don't see myself ever wanting to leave San Diego once we come back. Or, yeah, I mean, I'm so like, I'm never gonna be the person that goes, I live where you vacation. <laughs> like, that's, that's ridiculous to me. But, uh, you know, I don't think there's a lot of opportunity out here. I just think that there's a lot of ground that's not been covered yeah. that I can turn, turn exactly. into opportunity. Exactly. That, to, that to me is where I look at it as. Plus, 
like if I was going to move anywhere, like in my mind right now, the only place I can think of that I would enjoy living is like Seattle because I mm-hmm. love the way, the vibe and the feeling You're of weird Seattle. then. You want to be sad all the time? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's <laughs> something that's, it's very, it's very odd, but I went there and there was something about oh. the small little towns yeah. and the, and the little but, enclave yeah. places and stuff. It was so comforting to me. Yeah, but, but you're kind of a nostalgia queen too. Like you kind of play on that nineties, eighties vibe and that's very Seattle. I could see it. I mean, I, I think that I'm something that a lot of places have not seen. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the people that don't know me very well will go, you just look like another drag queen. But there's so much Mm-mm. stuff that I do that you know, people are just like, <laughs> well, no, listen, I understand everyone. You know, it's the Instagram generation where you mm-hmm. have less than four seconds to make a photo look interesting or they're going to scroll right by you. So I get that. You know, like it, it is what it is. But but the people that do stop to appreciate me or to see what I'm about, those are the ones that go, you know what, I did not expect this from you. And it was great. So I'm yeah. like, okay, cool. You know, that's, that's a nice confidence booster for me yeah. to be able to, yeah. to, to live in that lane. I love that. So let's talk about imposter syndrome. Um, yeah. And uh, just kind of, uh, do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways and what does imposter syndrome mean to you? Well, uh, yes, I think I always have had some type of internal fear uh, that I was, I wasn't good enough or that, you know, I felt like maybe I'm just was, I was being lucky or, or mm-hmm. someday someone's going to say, well, you're not as great as you think you are. And, you know, like that's, that's been a part yeah. of me always. I suffer from anxiety and, <laughs> uh, it is, it is a hereditary thing and it yeah. is, it is extreme. It's not like some people have a here and there, a little panic attack. I mean, I live every day of my life mm-hmm. with severe anxiety uh, and uh, thankfully, I did not get the depression gene from my family, but but I got the anxiety, and uh, that that has been uh, a constant source of doubt in my mind, and it yeah. is a long time struggle to silence and or correct the internal voice that has been uh, lingering over me for so long. Yeah. And I, I I hate it, but at the same time, it, I I also appreciate it because it's made me stronger as a person right. and more resilient, and I can get through anything if I can stand in front of a crowd. Of, of you know 150 people at a show and be able to command that entire room uh albeit yeah. whatever's happening in my head you know then I feel like I'm a stronger person for it because it's like it's like your own inner villain that just constantly mm-hmm. you know you know the 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 cartoons where you have a devil on yep. one shoulder and the angel on the other that's what I feel like is happening mm-hmm. in my head at all times I've always got somebody going maybe you shouldn't do that are you sure you know so. Yeah. Are you me? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but it happens to me a lot. So I also suffer from anxiety. I'm not to maybe the extreme, maybe you do, but I definitely have, um, you know, uh, I, I'm very anxious. I, um, there, there's times I'll be driving on the road and I'll be like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And then I have yep. to like be like, Oh, oh <clears throat> like we got to like, just like get that, get out of that loop. Um, and I, I mean, I on just, a scale of on a scale of one to 10 for my anxiety level, I'm like an 85. So like, you know, it, it's very bad. And, but you know what I've also learned is there's, there's uh, I don't know if it's a really called this or not, but I've, I've, I heard it. And my, my favorite comedian in the whole world, uh, Maria Bamford also talks about it all the time. She has something called un, unwanted thought syndrome, where it's, you kind of get casually attacked by things that you wouldn't normally think of. Like I'm going to die or, you know, what mm-hmm. if I mm-hmm. killed myself, you know, like those types of crazy things. And it's not in a suicidal manner. It's more of a yeah. fear uh-huh. and it, it happens, you know, so yeah. I I've learned to combat that plus the anxiety yeah. and, uh, and, and not throw myself off a yeah. bridge. You know yeah. I mean? Yo, no, I know. So. I know exactly what you mean. I mean, like my husband's, you know, been deployed and I, yeah. I used to, I used to feel like I always needed an adult for things like, like yeah. I, oh, I, I'm, 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 let me grab my, which is so stupid. Let me grab my husband. Like, cause he would understand because he, he is, he's only two years older than me. He's like not the authority on anything. Sorry, babe. Um, but you know, he's, he's also been on his own longer. And I used to have yeah. my dad used to do, like help me with my finances and do my taxes for me and like do a lot of adult work on my car, do a lot of adult things. I don't know how to do. And then since he's been gone, I've had to do with so much stuff. Well, in the last year he's been like here, like maybe like, you know, 40% like not very yeah. much, probably less than that. So I've had to learn how to do things on my own and figure it out. And it, it, and now I actually feel like an adult, but like in anxiety wise, you know, there's definitely with this, uh, with this pandemic before I got vaccinated for the antibodies um, and all of that. And I even, and I know the vaccine is not a cure-all. It's not a reason to just go out and party and be crazy. And I'm aware, um, but, Thank you. <laughs> but I, um, I, 
there was a point where I was just sitting in these anxious thoughts. I didn't go anywhere. If it couldn't get delivered to me still to this day, I feel uncomfortable in stores. If it can't get delivered to me, I don't want it. Um, because I had this constant anxiety loop of if I get sick, how am I, who no one's going to be able to take care of me. No one can see me right now because it's a pandemic. Like if I get sick, I'm going to die. And so I, I feel like in the last year, like I've had to learn like a lot more resiliency and how to combat it. Therapy has been really helpful. Um, but I, you know, I have, I, I, as a person who suffers from anxiety as well, um, I get anxious before I even do these interviews and I'm not even on camera. Like, so there's times where I'm, I'm like, I'm to screw up or something. And then I start telling myself that in a loop. So it's funny, right before we press record, I actually, well, it's not funny. I just had therapy um, because I'm going to be driving to LA later to, to stay with my in-laws tonight. So I can be the first mm. one in the park. I'm going to, I'll fight a bitch. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I was talking to her about this feeling of like, I don't deserve to go to Disneyland. Like I don't like this guilt feeling, this guilt of like, I don't deserve to do something nice for myself because I've stretched myself so thin um, and have kept myself so busy this pandemic. Um, and I've had a lot of my plate getting ready for an, a move to Hawaii, getting ready to, right. you know, getting, working on my shit, my commands FRG, which is a family readiness group and making this stupid ass, like, I'm sorry, sorry, Dottie, if you're listening, um, <laughs> just, I'm, I'm really annoyed with this lay this week. She's big, we Tell call me big how Bertha. you really feel. Big Bertha. <laughs> well, no, it's going to be amazing once it, once it stops being dropped off at my porch and my problem. Um, but, uh, but cause I'm on the board of directors, so I have to be, actually deal with it, but I've, I just, I've just been handling a lot and it's hard to take a second and like do something for myself without immediately having that anxious track that comes in or that imposter syndrome shoulder devil that comes in and says, well, you yeah. don't, don't deserve it. And so even a person who funnily enough has a podcast about imposter syndrome feels those shoulder devils quite often. And I, you know, I've worked really hard to combat them and, and overall I've had to get out of my own way, which has been like my biggest success is just like getting out of my own way and being like, yeah, okay. Like I get that you're saying that devil, but like, Hey, I gotta, I just gotta like keep going and move forward. And, um, you know, as a, as a performer, I'm sure you can like understand that because it's, especially as a performer with, who has anxiety, it's like, I'm sure there's times where you're about to go on stage and you're like, oh, they're all going to hate me. It's, it is very much that. And my anxiety doesn't come from, they're all going to hate me. My anxiety comes from uh, being embarrassed in front of people. And that's one of the oh things my that gosh. I because I'm a Scorpio, so I'm very vain. Oh. And for me, I'm a perfectionist and everything has to be just right. And that, you know, it's, it's, it's proven itself to pay off. But at the yeah. same time, it's a humongous burden on me as a person because, yeah. uh, you know, you've got, you got all this other stress that sets on top of you. Yeah. I'll give you a great example. Uh, a great example for this is I do a theater show called Hocus Pocus Live every year. Mm -hmm. And we, we, I, I don't know if you've seen the videos for that or not. Yes, but we take they're the, great. Yeah, we take the, 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 the 1993 film, we get a bunch of celebrity impersonators who look just like the characters, and then we reenact the film live on stage. Uh, and we do it to hundreds and hundreds of people every year. We've, we've been doing this now for nine years and it's such a cult classic and it's a, it's a tradition here in Florida. So for me, when I go on stage, unlike other shows where we have breaks and other entertainers in between, this show is a continuous 26 minute theater show or 30, excuse me, 36 yeah. minute theater show where I'm on stage for almost 34 of the 36 minutes of the show. Oh, and, it's a, it's, and I have to lip sync the entire thing. So it's not just that I'm on stage I'm on stage and I can't get off. I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I have to be in this and present right. and then moving stuff around behind the scenes. So this, that's my biggest stressor there is when I walk on stage for that minute, I'm like, if I screw up one thing, the whole show is fucked. And so I'm like, I can't do this. I can't. Do so then it's just one of those moments where you got to go, get the hell out there. What are you scared of? These people are, are here to see you regardless. They know it's right. a drag show. Go out and right. have fun with it. What mm -hmm. is the problem? And you got to kick yourself in the ass and get out there and do it. And that's what I've, I have discovered uh, that I do better under pressure. And when I take control of my own and I say, you know what, shut the fuck up, get out <laughs> there and do what you're supposed to be doing and get over it. You know, yep. cause it's, yep. it's, if you, cause if you don't do that and you succumb to those thoughts yeah. and the, that, that pressure, then you're like, I'm yeah. never going to be any good. No one's going to want me. Right. You know? Right. No, 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 that's so true. I mean, like, okay. So I always like, if I, if I, if I have that going on, I give myself the worst scenario and then I go, well, that's the worst thing that could happen. So God, it's going to be better than that. Right. Like you don't know yeah. what's going to happen. So just do it. And I also um, can empathize with the, fe the, th the feeling of embarrassment as to if I, yeah. I, you know, when I do things that are live, like I was on Amber, but LeMay live, I've been on Miss Richfield's live. 
Um, and, you know, heaven forbid, if one day I ever had the opportunity, I would hop on an airplane and be on caption that I will tell you what, <laughs> um, I was like, yes, awesome. please. I was like, no one's funnier than me. Matt might be funnier than me actually. Um, but you, you two yeah. are, are hilarious. And I had, I enjoyed so much, uh, you guys being on the show and making commentary because it just made it so much funnier. And you know what I find really fun is that I'm on stage. Yeah. Uh, I'm on stage for two hours straight by myself emceeing and doing comedy for my own shows yeah and it's so hard you know when you're at a computer or you're on a phone and you're in a comfortable environment sitting down on a couch you know drinking wine and, and enjoying yourself and contributing from there when no one's looking at you but when you get on stage yeah it's like people who are great at game shows at home and they go on the game show and they suck like <laughs> it's so it's so weird like yeah. how you have to yeah find that energy from home and be able to apply it to the situation, especially when your people are staring at you and you're like, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it gave you comfort that you had like people coming back. Cause it was like, okay, at least like there it's, it's, it's translating to them. And there'd be times that afterwards you'd be like, did that go? Okay. Like, was it really that bad? I was like, no, it went fine. It went fine. It went fine. And I was like, there was people that were mad about technology and I told them to shut the fuck up. Okay. So I was like, this is a blessing in a pandemic. Okay. And like, we're lucky. <laughs> to have it and shut up like people are so spoiled these days oh technology what okay we could be in the spanish flu where we didn't have technology we didn't know we didn't know yeah. we we're putting masks on cats okay or we could be yeah. you know grateful for the opportunities we have so i always had fun and the fact that i've made friends out of it and then then those friends have connected so now matt and trish have a podcast called intercontinental kiki um, <laughs> I love which it. is so much fun and they, they actually want you to be a guest and they're scared to ask you. I'm down they should I know ask I told, me. I'm ready right no I know I told them that and they did not believe me Matt did not believe me well I I, they're him. listening right now bitches fucking call me I'm ready let's yeah, do this yeah I know I, I know I love talking I to people I love getting involved especially them they've been so awesome to me and so have you yeah. um you what was I gonna say oh the the thing that I had found out and this this is something that's helped me tremendously and I had to discover it myself uh -huh. even though people were screaming in my face was uh, you go out there on a stage and people don't know what to expect. And in yeah. your head, you create this scenario of, oh, it's going to be perfect. And this is how it has to go. And if something goes away from that, then all of a sudden you start beating yourself up going, you ruined it. It's But the audience doesn't know, you know, and if you're a good entertainer and you know how to control the situation that you're in, like for me, uh, and I'll tell you, I think I've told you this before, but it's like, my goal on stage is to make it look like there's absolutely nothing. The, the backstage could be burning down and I could be out there as if nothing was going wrong. And that's actually what happened on a lot of the shows because we had technology issues where literally the entire show had crashed to the point where I could barely even get comments to come in. I had no scores, no nothing. And I'm in the middle of running a game show and I'm just making it up in my head as I go along <laughs> and, and, and just putting it out and no you, one knew you were like, cool as a great. cucumber you're as cool yeah. as but that's 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 ever the true performance I mean like there's times where I'm podcasting and like my dog will like start squeaking a toy or, or crinkle or crinkle something or um the other day uh someone knocked on my door while I was recording another person's podcast and I and I apologize and they're like no, no 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 we're low budget it's cool and that's what I will do I'll say or if I don't know something I'll say I went to Sylvan don't ask me. I went to Sylvan, uh, or I'll say, you know, uh, we're low production. Like when something happens, like my dog starts barking or, um, yeah. So, uh, so I, I, I like that because I, you got, you got to just roll with it. You got to keep going yeah. and, and you don't want people to really know. Yeah. And, and then how you roll with it also makes a difference. It, sometimes if you, if you don't have that comedic timing to kind of cover up the mistake, then, yeah. then it could look bad. Yeah. But, you know, I thankfully I've, uh, one of the things that I got bestowed upon me as growing up from my father was he did stand up comedy for many years and he was also oh, wow. a very, very vibrant show entertainer and musician and so forth. So yeah. he knew how to turn any, you know, shit into gold whenever he could. And, and he did, and it was great. Yeah. So I had that, thankfully that skill to be able to read a room and redirect the uh, attention. I don't know why I'm funny. I think it's because I make fun of myself first or I, I really don't know. I think it comes from just like I, having undiagnosed ADHD. Um, I like to think I'm funny, but uh, I think I'm witty. I think situationally I'm funny. I don't think I could do, I don't think I could do stand up. Could you do stand up? Uh, I do stand up actually. Oh, do? I do stand up oh. in my, my live bingo shows that I do. Oh, I do yeah. stand up in the show. Yeah. So it's, it's 80% stand up comedy and 20% bingo. And it's really funny how that kind of plays into it. And and I, I, I resonate well with a specific age group. Like I can be funny for the, the Gen Z TikTok kids and the rest, but I, my, you had mentioned I was very 80s and 90s. And I agree with that. The way I look at it is if, uh, if Don Rickles and Elvira had a baby, 
Mm-hmm. That's I'm I'm the end result. Like this is yes, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. And, but yeah, you know, it's it's uh, sometimes it's really yeah. You can pander to Gen Z on stuff, but I just saw a TikTok where um someone had a skirt. And she was like, oh, can you believe this? this I didn't know this shorts. existed. Yeah. And the guy was like, oh God, I'm so old. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think it's old. I just think, I think, and this is a terrible way to say this, but uh, not, this isn't applied to the whole generation, but a lot of Gen Z is exhausting because they didn't, their parents weren't the same parents that, you know, people that were born in the eighties and early nineties had. They're a lot of them grew up with parents that were more connected to technology and less connected to their kids. So they didn't have those learning experiences, you know, they didn't have home economics classes, they didn't have all those things that gave them life skills. So they're discovering stuff that existed as if it's the first time, like this has been around forever. Where have you been? Like what? Oh, <laughs> so yeah, that's why. I, yeah. But they're also yeah. so lucky. They grew up with so much more technology. They didn't have to like hear a dial up tone. But that's, I don't um, know if that's luck though. That, I don't it, know if it's it luck, just makes, but... Yeah. It just makes them more oblivious to things that w- we grew up with life skills where there's just not, it doesn't exist for all. That. And it's not all of Gen Z because there's some, there's some in that generation that have the same skills because the parents really care. And sometimes it's not even the parents, sometimes it's just the people themselves don't have the ineptness to really kind of pay right. attention to certain things. But who knows? I just, I, I watch TikTok and it's exhausting. And I think that I, I think bothers me the most about TikTok is there is grown men on this app who are so desperate for attention that they make a trillion videos of them just smiling at the camera with their shirt off and wearing sweatpants and fluffing themselves up for videos. And I'm like, you're on an app for kids. Like what, what are you doing? Like, I got you- in a fight with a child this week, actually. Okay. Can I tell you my TikTok story? I've told this a few times in the podcast, but I, I used to have TikTok. I used to have TikTok like back in the beginning of the pandemic, I had TikTok and mm-hmm. then I made a video about Chick-fil-A because I believe that chick I don't, okay. I have very strong opinions as an ally about Chick-fil-A and like people who eat Chick-fil-A and even the gay people who love Chick-fil-A and eat it. It's, it's, it's white people chicken, but even more so it's hate chicken because of the things that they've supported. That's just my opinion. It's unpopular. I get it. Um, but there's a, quite a few of my friends that are LGBTQIA plus that will agree with me and if not more. Um, and and there's, they've done a lot of racist things as well. Anyway, I made a video about Chick-fil-A or something. I was wasted. About Chick Fil A, this eleven-year-old came for me about their fucking chicken nuggets, and I was like, "Not today!" And I just started commenting back at this person, and then I took a step back, and I was like, "Bianca, you are thirty, about to be thirty-one years old. This child's eleven. What are you doing?" And that's another thing that drives me crazy is that (laughs) this this generation is very opinionated, and they they because they have the internet at their fingertips, they think they have seen it all and do and know everything. And it just, it's, it's insane. So I don't even, I don't even give them the satisfaction of even talking to those, that, that age group, because it's just like, what do you know yet? You know, give yourself 20 years and then look back. What I want to do is I want to screen capture that moment and then find that person 20 years from now and be like, look how stupid you were. But at the same time, they're kids, you know, and you can't really, at that, at that age, I don't really hold anybody accountable for anything you have to learn by doing. And, and that's, you know, that's the end of that. But when the kids start getting in their twenties and stuff, and they still haven't moved on past that 11 year old mentality, that that's when I go, mm. you know, and that's why I feel like more and more people now are, are so sensitive and they're just so it's, yeah. it's very interesting yeah. to see how, how yeah. the world is. And going. I don't understand, I don't understand TikTok. Um, I'm, I have a face for podcast and radio clearly. Don't I I'm not cute in their algorithm. They don't like me. And I don't really care. You know what's you know what's actually it's interesting with the when we're talking about TikTok and, and micro content that you're consuming really quickly. Um, yeah. pe- me as Guy Fieri doesn't really <laughs> do well. But me, and I think I'm funny. Like, I think I have funny videos, um, but they don't do well. Meanwhile, my friend JC's here staying with me for a couple of weeks and she's like. She, she, just, she just sits on my TikTok and like cackles at my videos. She's like, ha ha ha. Like, this is my friend. I know my friend really well. Like, she's just, this is my way my brain works. Me as Powerline, however, broke my damn TikTok. Like, it was like. Well, that's because you because, have nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, me as Guy Fieri, they don't like it. I, I'm also probably not fat enough for that impersonation to actually be funny. <laughs> but I, so, you know, people ask like, if you could be on Snatch Game, like, what would your character be? And I'm like, Guy Fieri, why has no one done it? I think that it depends on uh, drag race, especially they, they like to have strong female characters that have True. like a comedic tactic to them. So you have to kind of look at, yeah. you know, where, where would that fit in, into the show and, and how can you play it off? There's, there's a very few male characters that have ever survived 
on 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 the snatch game except for like a little richard that was a genius but those are those <laughs> types of things where you have to kind of look at you know is it a cultural icon is it a gay icon where does it live what does it do and how does it apply to this scenario especially with the audience that's watching they're mm -hmm, so picky mm -hmm. oh my god they're so picky yeah, the gays are, their, are the hardest audience to entertain and that's one of the things why i've marketed myself in, into the straight audiences more often because they're there for the comedic and the the entertainment content yep. Whereas yeah. the, the gays are so used to drag race. Well, you didn't death trap. You didn't dance. You didn't do this. I'm like, that's not all there is to drag. And that's, that's another thing that really has harmed the, the drag industry is that it's setting unrealistic standards yes. for all the show, the show queens where they're entertaining people yeah. versus just dance, you know? Yeah. Well, I and no shade to the dancing queens because they're so talented. Well, I will say that in okay, case, so I had, I, you know, I, I coming from the Denver scene, um, I, I really didn't, my, my run-ins with drag wasn't that as often. I didn't have logo, so I didn't really watch Drag Race unless I was at a bar and then I was like, okay, sure. And also I didn't like the, the potato quality of it on logo. And then I didn't really get into drag as much as I've gotten into it in, in the last two years was when yeah. you know, moving here, it was around me all the time. And my best friend really wanted to go to DragCon. And I was like, okay. I, um, so I, so when my, my husband was TDY in Pensacola, Florida, blah, and I, so I was with him for six weeks because the option was stay with my parents, blow my brains out or go stay with my husband for six <laughs> weeks in Pensacola, Florida. And so on Thursdays was drag race and I'm, my friend and I were watching together. So I was like, okay, there's, and he was usually studying or something for whatever he needed to do for school. So I would just watch Drag Race and I would scream, I would scream at my TV because I got that into it that quickly. And then yeah. I went to DragCon and it was just all a lot. It was very overwhelming. And then um, for my birthday last year in the pandemic, Scott hired, uh, well, Jace, my friend, Jacey and my, my husband hired a local drag performer. Her name is Strawberry Corncakes. Um, her name is Courtney. And she came and I had no frame of reference of who she was because I just wasn't, I didn't know local drag. And yeah. because of this gift of that happening, it was the greatest performance. It was so amazing. She's my number one queen in San Diego. I love Mary MT as well. I love all the queens in San Diego equally, but it's strawberry forever because of this. Um, and uh, she's a dear friend of mine. She just took some headshots for me. Um, I gave her a laptop case. She was living for it. And because I have laptop cases on my website, plug. But Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah. And then I started thinking about local queens and what's going on in the pandemic because I'm ever the person that like wants the littlest the little people to to, to do well you know and mm -hmm. so ever since then I've been a diehard for local drag and so I've always told my listeners this that local drag is so much more important than it, it RuPaul's Drag Race is amazing don't get me wrong but it's the Olympics of drag that's not really what's going on in yeah. everyday and opportunities during the pandemic, that was one of the things that I focused on. I have always been an advocate for local queens. And for me, it's not about the drag race girls. And I try to prove that and make it make it so. Before the pandemic happened, I ran this show called Queens, The Drag Experience. Mm -hmm. And it's out here in South Florida. I take the top 10 drag queens from the state and I put them together in one show and we would travel the show around. And it was extremely successful. And the whole tagline was, love the TV drag queens, time to meet your local girls. So we it introduced it. these incredible queens. Yeah. Uh, once that was put on hold because of uh, the pandemic, I created Quarantine Queens, which is the, the yeah. video network where Trish met me on. Yeah. And my job was then to take local queens from around the country and give them a show to be on and help them make some Love money with, with online game shows and stuff. And that's that's how I've been ever since. Is, uh, my focus is only to help the local queens out. Now, I do bring in people like Ginger Minge and so forth, who I've known Ginger before Drag Race. She's a wonderful, incredible entertainer. And, uh, and she, you know, like Ginger and Barla Jean and the rest that came on, they were there to help bring the attention to the people that have not made it to TV yet. And they did such a wonderful job doing that. I love yeah. them for that. They were incredible. I love, I love um, that so much. I love that so much because I think it's so important and that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, at, I'm on the local drag platform now and you can't tell me otherwise because I, 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 you know, I think it's just so important. It's just so yeah. important because you never... Like that, I, I love again. Love what it's done for drag. Hate what it's done. As you tell me that, I didn't realize. I, I didn't even think about that. That wages would be split and wages would be more unfair now, um, and that every, it would oversaturate. I didn't even think about that, but then it makes sense. Obviously. Um, Want to hear some even worse yeah. gossip? Okay, let's go. So, and this is something that I've been trying to push out into the, the universe to make it aware. And I've commented on this on a couple of different things, but I'm, I'm going to start talking about it more in a public fashion very soon. Mm -hmm. 
during the pandemic, bars were closed. Mm -hmm. And when they started to reopen, they had to have limited capacity. So they had to cut the budget down for the queens that were working because they couldn't afford to pay them their full scale. And the queens were taking it because what are they going to do? They haven't had any jobs. They yeah. don't have a lot of other oh, skills. Yeah. Some of them don't ever move on. So now that the pandemic has transitioned over here in Florida, where we reopened 100%, the bars and the clubs and the venues are gangbusters packed every day and every night. And it, they're, they're packed because people are sick of being in their house for years. So they want to get it all out of their system. And mm -hmm. they're, they're cramming into these places. And a lot of these bars, and I'm, I'm, I'm not speaking this from guesswork, I'm because I've heard it from the bars themselves, are doing better financially now than they oh. were pre-pandemic. And oh, yeah. obviously, yeah. yeah, and it's not gonna last because eventually people are gonna be tired of going out because they got it mm -hmm. all out of their system. Mm -hmm. So you have, we have like a year, maybe a year and a half where this is gonna continue to be this yeah. way. But in the meantime, the drag shows have resumed, the customers are back, but they're still paying these girls pandemic pay, which mm -hmm. in the end, not so much for real, uh, the pandemic is not over and it's not gonna be over for a long time, but in the entertainment industry, the pandemic is over. And, yeah. and in yeah. that respect, people yeah. are are now suffering with taking a pay cut and getting hit real hard and can't afford to do the career that they spent their entire lives perfecting and working on because yes. these bars are being greedy and want to keep a little extra cash in their pocket you know, and that's I, one of the things yeah. that i've gone through yeah I, I i would if i had to guess it might be similar out here too um i will keep my ears open to the pipeline but that's that's that doesn't make sense but you know what i think it's going to start I think we're going to see a surge and then a, and then a pop just like that, because yeah. um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I certainly, I feel weird going out and we're not hundred percent out here. We are, we'll be hundred percent June. If Thanks. you went out anywhere in Florida, you would never know with that, with the exception of seeing masks on everyone's faces out here, you would never know there was a pandemic because people are out here and they are crammed. And I mean, crammed. And I turned down a bunch of gigs because they're like trying to offer me this 25% of what my actual pay is. And I thought, you know, I, no disrespect to the venue for reaching out to me, but are you kidding me? It yeah, takes you know me an hour, an hour and 45 minutes just to get ready. You know, the cost of costumes and wigs and having new looks every week and all this other stuff. It's insane to expect someone to come to work and work for, and, and this is, this is disgusting. Some bars are offering $75 Ooh. for an entertainer to come out. And I, that, the, I have this, this term out here, which I did not coin, but it's, it's funny to hear it because it's something that I, I have a passion on. It's uh -huh. paying people what they're worth is some of the queens call it, uh, when they get booked by me for my shows that I put together, they call it a Hollywell gig because the gig pays the money that they deserve versus them just trying to settle in. Like, I won't take a booking, I won't book a show somewhere, or I won't create a show unless I know that well, I can get the, yeah. The, yeah, the backing financially to be able to pay these girls out what they deserve and then some. And, you know, the people right. that work for me can vouch for this is that I, I will not ask you to come out of your house unless I know you're getting at least a minimum fair wage for you to be able oh, to, to work in the snaps. That's amazing. No, that's so good. And that's, and that's you using your experience and your tenure and your notoriety for everyone. And that is like, that's why you are um, an advocate for local Queens. And I love that so much, but that lends into success, right? Because like the, the Hollowell gig, Greg. Right? So what does success look like to you? And do you feel successful? Hmm. Success, I know, is different to everybody. To me, yeah. success is getting calls. Success is, is <laughs> yeah. getting requests to work again. Success is getting notoriety and, and people, you know, talking about you on a larger scale. Like I was in the newspaper the other day. Yeah, that, that. that to me is, I was so excited. That to me is success because success is not, it's not having a great show. Because you could have a phenomenal show, but if no one's seeing it or talking about it, then, the, then it ends in that building when the show ends. Like the, there's nothing after that. To me, success is being able to further yourself and not have to do so much of the legwork where other people are talking about you. So that, yeah. that, that to me, I think is what I would consider uh, success in my avenue. Um, I do feel successful. I, I feel like there's a lot more to achieve. To me, I know that there's something else that I'm destined for. Yeah. And I think that drag is the stepping stone avenue to get me there. And I, I don't know what it is yet. Yeah. But, you know, I envisioned myself, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I thought I was going to be an actor, you know, one of the cool extra characters on the Disney Channel show. You know, like I, to me, my acting style is, is, uh, you know, like the, the weird teacher on, you know, one of those Disney shows like Wizards of Waverly Place. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I, I never considered myself as like a lead actor, but always one of those side kind of roles. So I yeah. thought I'd have a career in television or something. And I was, I was on that path for a little bit. And then drag just kind of took me in a different place. So I just, mm -hmm. I still feel like drag is my primary focus, but it's not, 
it's not my destiny, right, but in, in this right. moment, I feel successful. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I love, I love your answer. And also I feel like for me, podcasting is mm-hmm. a stepping stone. I don't think it's a forever for me. I, and I too yeah. feel like I'm destined for something. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah. and, uh, I have a fr- actually have a friend that lives in South Florida, uh, who I met through podcasting. His name is Mike Valdez. He is also a comedian and he also is an actor and he's been on some Disney channel stuff in his, in his past. And, uh, you know, he did, he's like, he's also a singer. And I'm like, when you're saying that you do like stand up, I, I, I don't even know if drag queen is his, his cup of tea, but you just made me think of him when you were talking about like Disney channel stuff. Um, but he's a, he's a really funny dude and super into nostalgia, similar to you and me. And so, um, I, I keep telling him like, go, go to bingo, go to bingo. He's like, I will, I will. I'll come up a ticket for whatever show you want. That'd be yeah, fine. I know. I'm going to tell Mike that be like, go, go do it. Um, but yeah, I like that because I, I think uh, like right now, right. The, like the requests aren't stopping for me. Like I, well, one, I have enough backing now that if I ask someone to be on my podcast, the answer is never no. It's now, yes. I'm now at a point where I'm like, uh, unless I'm on your podcast or it's benefiting me in some way, shape or form, I really don't want you on there. Not, that's not me talking about you here. Um, I've, I've been wanting you on here forever. Um, but <laughs> really it's just, um, I'm at a point now where I can be choosy with my, with my, uh, interviews. And that's a really, cool place to be at versus feeling in a desperation to keep my content going. Um, And so I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know if I'm going to be talking into this microphone forever, Um, but I I like where it's going. I I like the opportunities it's given me because I played caption that I I met Chris Caputo because I met Chris Caputo. I got to be on Miss Richfield because I was on Miss Richfield. I got to be on Amber Lim A and it all started with an ad that a friend had shared with me through bingo that I played right. through another friend who I met through Peloton. It's like, it just, the web goes and goes and goes and networking is crazy. So I don't know. I don't really know what I'm going to do, you know, next or in a career, but right now I like talking into a microphone. It makes me happy, but I agree with you. It's like, yeah, drag's not maybe what I want to do forever, but right now it's, it's paying the bills. It's making me feel good. Yeah. And it's the opportunities aren't stopping. And I think like once the opportunities would stop for me here, I mean, I have that hustle drive. I will do anything. If I, I can put my mind to it. So, and I, I'll tell you what, and this is, this is like a sad kind of story that comes and in, plays into this is that I, growing up as a kid, I was always the weird one. I was the one too. in school that people was like, what the hell's wrong with you? But I was also a weird one in a way because I had a lot of physical things that people noticed on me. Like I had for my entire life until just last year, I had extremely crooked teeth. And I mean, it, when I tell you I was a case of all cases where like I would go to the dentist and they would call in other dentists to come and see what was going on because it was that bad. So I created this character and all this confidence and all these things that I was not possessing in my, my day-to-day life to be able to overcome feeling either inferior or inadequate or not as attractive as other people or whatever the case was, because that was something that I felt that I had to do to be able to move myself along in the world and, and, and be somebody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it's, it starts off sad because, you know, there was, that was the case. And then, you know, being able to be Nicole and to create all of the stuff that goes along with my brand and to branch out and to have people see me and so forth. It's been a very uplifting experience for me. And now that I've got braces and I'm starting to fix myself in, in ways where, and I don't say, cause there's nothing wrong with me. It's just, I'm trying to fix the things that I'm unhappy with that I have control over. Yeah. It's, it's, it's starting to make me feel confident outside of the makeup yeah. in ways that I yeah. haven't before. For and so, I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. Kids are assholes. I had really shitty teeth too. Like my, I had, yeah. I had vampire fangs. My, my, my two front teeth went into completely crooked. Um, but my parents obviously put me in braces. I had braces for four goddamn years, four I, I had tried to get braces three times in my life and all three times I had ended up with a bad type of dentist that either was doing the wrong thing yep. or they stole my money and disappeared. So, I, you know, oh, no. at, at one point I was just like, forget it. I don't care yeah. anymore. Like but, this is, I am who I am. And if you don't but, like me, then you can but fuck I agree. Off. <laughs> I agree. If there's something about you, like that makes you insecure and like, of course, kids are fucking assholes, but you know, I was always the weird kid. I was always the boisterous one and, and, and all yeah. of that. And so like in your creation of Nicole, it's like you taking your power back and being like, I'm going to be the version of me that I want to be, you know what I mean? So I, I think, okay, congratulations on like doing something for yourself to change yourself. I think like I have a friend that's currently, um, she just, she just got the date for top surgery and like, that's that's something that's so important for, for her. Um, and you know, she's not sure what she wants to do after that is, am I going to transition? I just want to be 
you know, I, 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 this has ailed me for so long. And you know what I said? I said, hey, DJ, no, sit with yourself for a year. See how you're feeling. Don't just automatically feel like you need yeah. to be non-binary or conform or trans or trans or transition. I was like, I think you just need to sit with DJ with that one thing that ailed you fixing it and see how that feels before making another decision. And, and yeah. And that's a lot of struggle that a lot of people go through is, you know, and especially in the trans community, it's very difficult, but it's, you have to look at it and go, is this change for me or is it for someone else? Yes, exactly. Am I doing this to make myself happy or am I doing this for other people? And then once you get past that roadblock and you go, well, if it's not for, if it's not for me, then, then what is it good for? You know, I, yeah. I have found no value in changing myself for other people because yeah. those people don't stick around long enough anyways to appreciate it. And, and if you were really worried about what other people think about you then how can you ever focus on yourself? Yeah. You know, that's, I just, I had to take a step back Absolutely. and go, this is, this is for me. The braces are for me. It's for me yeah. to feel that I can, I can go farther in my life than, yeah. than just being stuck here. And Absolutely. also, you know, it's entertainment. You have to, you have to have a certain thing about you that, that, that makes you palatable for expansion, like for, to be on TV or to do other things. They can't put an unpolished entertainer on television because if and that's the case, it's usually you're mm -hmm. on Dr. Phil or mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> <you know>? no. <laughs> so. So it's like, you know, you have to find some, so I yeah. thought, you know, if, if I'm going to do anything, if I'm going to further my career, I think this is a necessary step, but it's also for me because I have to feel like if you want to smile, you want to feel like your smile is like a yeah. thousand watts. And if you, if you look at any of my pictures on any never of my smiling. Media, never smiling. I am never smiling. And if nope. the only time I am smiling and how sad is this, this is like looking back on this now, now that my teeth have straightened out significantly is I had to make a fake set of teeth that snapped over my existing ones. No. So I could you had a flipper. <laughs> uh, oh, it was more, it was more than a flipper. It was because the flipper is if you got a tooth missing or things are just not kind of right. My teeth were fucked up so i had to i had to take dental plastic and mold a new set of teeth over oh, my existing my teeth that would snap in i started doing it for hocus pocus because obviously winifred sanderson yep, has a humongous yep. buck teeth but i thought okay what if i made a scaled down version of these to use for shows and i did and it's funny because now when i'm getting ready they're sitting on my shelf above my face and i'm You're like, like i don't need you <laughs> i don't need you no more but i'm also like i'm so happy that i did this that i don't have to yeah. Well, a piece of plastic that, makes me, that makes me really happy for you. And I, I love it when people do something because they genuinely can now and like, can. yeah. And it also like, I have so many adult friends who have like had to just like get braces or like, or, do, yeah. or done Invisalign or whatever they needed to do to feel better. And because like, or either they, their parents couldn't afford it when they were kids or, or what, or what have you. And so, um, you know, I'm just happy. That makes me so happy. So that actually lends into the last question because we are winding down. Um, and, uh, so I want, you know, I, I won't keep you for too long. So what's currently making you happy in the world. And then after that, I'll let you promote what you need to promote. What's currently making me happy in the world. Uh, time off. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> time off. I've, I have restructured my business model to work less days and make the same amount of money. And that has given me more time to be with myself. That's, and that's that, amazing. Good that's for making you. me very that's happy in the world. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And you are so busy. Like we've been, what we've been trying to get this on the book since like February or something like that. <laughs> and, and I'm, and I like, don't even care. I'm like, she's just busy. And then you, and then you are the one that came to me and you're like, wait, no, no, I want to do it now. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, it's been on my calendar. It's hanging on a post-it note in yeah. front of my computer for like the last I'm month and so a half. And I'm grateful. like, I got to do this for her. Yeah. No, I'm so grateful. But, and you know, I, I can't wait until one day I can actually come see you in person. Um, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to be glorious. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited. And you know, we'll get Trish together and everybody will do the whole thing. Yes, I would love to be able yes. to. Yeah. I know. To, I know Matt uh, wants to come from, Matt wants to come from Canada, but he's got to get his passport renewed first. So oh, um, passports are such a, well, also Canada is like their borders are shut. Like they're like, mm -mm, not today. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, uh, it, I'm happy to have a, a country that's being responsible <laughs> and doing the right thing and just trying yeah. to stop the spread because, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. But. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, um, uh, I always love to give my guests the, um, opportunity to promote whatever they would like. So what would you like to promote? Well, uh, I'm not doing any streaming shows right now, Florida. I have a great local tour called, uh, hilariously inappropriate drag queen bingo. And the <laughs> tour runs all over South Florida from Miami, all the way up to West Palm beach. And then I'm also now launching in Northern Florida and Orlando and Tampa. Uh, you can go to dragbingofla.com and see all the tour dates and times and come out and have fun with me. It's two hours of ridiculous, hilarious bingo fun. And I try to put it at really awesome places that have lots to offer, like these craft breweries or places mm -hmm. that have really awesome food or environments. So you can come out and it's literally two hours of me doing 
stand-up comedy, roasting the audience, having a ridiculously fun time, being mean to everybody. And it's so much fun. You get to play bingo and win great prizes. Yeah. Some, of the, some of the shows are sponsored by bigger entities like Hustler Hollywood mm-hmm. has just picked up my Fort Lauderdale show and they're giving me the opportunity to yeah. give away some really fun, dirty, yeah. inappropriate <laughs> I, I love so. that. And um, I saw, are you doing one in Pensacola? Uh, no, I'm doing I saw one Golf Coast Brewery, I thought, but um, oh, Golf Golf Stream that's out Gulf here Stream. in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, okay, I had awesome it wrong. Area. I, was like, Wait. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, I don't, I don't think that they're well. I'm I'm talking plane. to, I'm, I'm talking to a couple places up in on that area, but it's 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 a long drive to go up there. I'm it also is. actually going to be working in uh, hopefully North Carolina, South Carolina, doing bingo. And then hopefully that'll be the beginning of doing the tour around the country. Yes, which is yes. The next Bring step it to that, Hawaii. So. We'll, we'll put you up. Yeah. Listen, I'm ready. I'm ready. I, I'm I want it. California. No, I know. And, and obviously, you know, when I'm in Hawaii, you are, if you ever get some vacation days and want to take some you time, you can come and stay I've with me whenever. I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. Always. I went Please to the Bahamas come. when I was a kid. And I was like, oh my God, Hawaii must be so amazing. This is like this. So I wanted to go and do that. Yeah, so I'm gonna I, be, it, might, it might happen. I would love that. I would love that. Well, Nicole, I mean, I adore you and I'm going to be a fan of yours forever. And you are just such a kind and loving individual. And I'm so appreciative of you. And I'm so glad that the pandemic brought us together and that my listeners can learn more about you, become fans. If I've got any listeners in South Florida or any of these places, all that information is going to be in the description of where you can find Nicole and uh, how you can get in touch if you want to bring... Um, that really awesome drag show to your state. Let's talk. I'm sure she'd love I it. I love the travel. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I want the points. <laughs> um, but Nicole, thank you so much for taking the time to be on Please Don't Kick Me Out. And to my listeners, of course, all the information again will be in the description. If you like what you hear, you can visit pleasedon'tkickmeout.com slash shop, buy my merch, live your 90s fantasy, rate me a five on Apple Podcasts. It really does mean a lot. Um, share it with a friend, scream it into the ether. Of course, follow my guest, Nicole. And Nicole, thank you so much again for taking the time to be on my podcast which is of course please don't kick me out the podcast about imposter syndrome and i hope you have a lovely rest of your day thank you it was a pleasure and you too ah thank you bye Hey listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use P-D-K-M-O to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter pdkmo at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories and going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.